Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Avatar, the podcast. Comic edition. Comic edition. I'm Boost Greg. That's Acorn Bandit. Hello. Hello. And we are on the finale of the Smoke and Shadow arc. I have so many questions that need to get answered, and I hope they answer some of them. There's a big one that I don't know if we're going to get answered ever or not, but we'll see. We're setting up some good stuff with this. It is very, very, very true. There's one thing. we get, There's a whole bunch of Avatar news that came out over Comic-Con. Yeah. Talk about it super briefly, because time's a ticking on here, and we got a whole comic to go through. So, first off, we're getting a continuation of Aang and that team Avatar from Avatar Studios as a movie. Yeah, apparently that's the one that they've been working on. We finally get to hear about what it's about. I know, yes. And supposedly it takes place years after the finale of book three, which is great because I would cry profusely if they retconned all of these comics. I know, right? <laughs> We've just finished covering all a chunk of them. And they're like, guess what? It doesn't matter anymore. None of it happens. Yes, it doesn't seem to be the case. I feel like right now they're going to respect the comics and they're just going to add more and more content for us. So that's great news. I'm excited to see more of adult or not adult, adult-ish, right? Yeah, adult gang. It's what I've always wanted. Yeah, absolutely. At first, when I saw the news, I was like, eh, I don't know. I want more. I want to see other characters. Everyone knows we all love the side characters and the tertiary characters as much as we do the primary characters. But now that I've had time to chew on it, very excited. Yeah, it's a good place to start, too, because it's kind of like a revival, right? Yeah. Bringing back the old cast, exploring something new before we jump headlong into the Avatar universe. It actually reminds me quite a bit of what Doctor Who does whenever they introduce a new Doctor. They always have that old companion, for the most part. The Jodie yeah. Whittaker era excluded. They always have the older companion to kind of help you get used to it. That's what they're doing here, right? Mm -hmm. They're giving us the old gang, a little bit older, to help us reacclimate to the universe. So it's, yep. it's very smart. The other thing that I want to talk about is, very quickly... Did you hear about Netflix's Cabbage Merchant casting Acorn? I did not actually. You didn't? Okay, okay. tell. James C. is going to be reprising his role as the Cabbage Merchant. For everyone who remembers, he is the voice of the Cabbage Merchant from the Yay! animated series. So he'll be playing the live action version, I guess, or adaptation of the Cabbage Merchant. Mm -hmm. Exciting. Now, didn't we talk about that? Didn't we say that he'd be the perfect person? We did. And then I think we came up with Jason Mendoza from The Good Place as a close right. second. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. If GMC was unavailable, they wanted to go younger, we would have been okay with the recasting. But we don't need to be okay with it because they're not recasting. <laughs> exciting. Yes, absolutely. And the final part, the Azula comic was announced. <laughs> oh my God. So exciting. The cover... It's kind of draped in shadows, so I can't really tell, but it looks like she's in a Kimura Kage costume. Mm-hmm. Which means that we'd be getting a direct sequel to her saga right after the events of part three. Yep. So I'm excited. Oh, my God. And also just the, the topic. I mean, we've only seen the cover so far and the title, which the story is going to deal with spirits. Mm -hmm. So Azula and the spirit world is something that I wouldn't have thought to pair. But I am so curious to find out what's going to happen there. My theory right now is the Kimura Kage try to get some sort of revenge or not revenge. That's kind of drastic, but 
teach her some sort of lesson or be like, hey, mm-hmm. stop using our identity, please. And that's what happens. I wonder. I wonder. We'll see. Yeah. And Bryke have always talked about wanting to... Actually, the original plan was to have an Azula redemption arc in the series. That's right. But they, of course, ran out of time. Yeah. So this could be it. This could be Ooh. their Azula redemption story. Maybe. That'd be really I cool. I wonder. We'll have to wait to find out. Okay. We haven't talked about news in a while, so I don't have a clever segue into the reviews. <laughs> Other than here are the five-star written reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Our first one comes from, oh boy. Yes. one 857 Or as I like to call them, 1857. <laughs> 1857 to their friends. 1857 writes, what an absolute masterpiece. This podcast has gotten me through many, many, many long days at work. I have probably listened to Zuko alone in Bitter Work episodes 10 plus times. Whoa. Wow. It's a lot. This podcast is top tier and has some groundbreaking hosts. Here's my top 10 of everything. One, the episode Zuko alone. Good one. Two, Iroh's wisdom. Of course. Uh-huh. Three, Appa's saddle. Interesting. Four, just Toph. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Five, the blue spirit. Of course. Six, Zuko's daddy issues. It wouldn't be Avatar without those. Nope. Seven, Water Tribe. <laughs> and I saw what you were doing there, 1857, with the emoji, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sunglass emoji, and like the finger guns. Yep. So good. Water Tribe. Water Tribe. Eight, Momo. Oh. Nine, the Jasmine Dragon. And 10, <laughs> Zhao's sideburns. I mean, <laughs> I'm not wrong about that. I will say this. Everyone knows my opinion about Zhao and how much I adore him. I don't think he would be the same without those. No, he wouldn't. It just would not be Zhao. That's right. That's exactly right. I agree with all of those things, clearly, as everyone heard. Mm -hmm. Such good picks. A good top 10 of just miscellaneous. Maybe we should start doing that for like Korra. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Okay. That would be really okay. fun. This is like a fresh top 10 kind of approach. You yeah. know, because we, we paid so much attention and care and love to the characters. But what else about the show do we love? Abba Saddle, Water Tribe, the Blue Spirit. So good. My wheels are a turning <laughs> right now. I got to write this down real quick. All right. Write it down. I've been using, for everyone who's been seeing my streams over at twitch.tv slash Booster Greg on Monday, Friday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I've been using Notepad a lot. <laughs> Because you don't have Word downloaded on your computer, I'm guessing. But even if I did, I don't think I would. It's just so no, simple. It's, so it's good. Aesthetic. It's just great. Anyways. The vibe. 1857, you've given me an idea. So Acorn and I will brainstorm it and we'll see what happens when we start covering Cora. The next review comes from Mako Stand, who, if I remember correctly, Mako Stand left a review not too, too long ago. I think this is a slightly updated one. Or I could be crazy. Either or. I don't know. Anyways, they write, love this podcast. I was looking for a podcast that I could relive my favorite scenes from Avatar The Last Airbender after watching the show 20 times in a row since 2020. Not exaggerating. (laughs) That's the spirit. That is. No, that's the bridge between the spirit. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) All I can say is that this is top tier work. Greg and Acorn are amazing hosts. And I also love the MVP and moral of the story at the end of each episode. Thank you so much for bringing this podcast to life. And I can't wait to hear more. Smiley face. FYI, my top five characters are Iroh, Katara, Aang, May, and Zuko. Nice. Nice top five. Nice. Thank you so much, Mako Sand, for leaving that review. If it's a rewrite, we appreciate it. If it's not a rewrite, I'm sorry. My brain is mush right now. But the name just sounded familiar. (laughs) 
That's all right. My brain's been mushroomed up the last six months. So, (laughs) Our next review comes from Tenny Pup, who writes, The Goat Bender? Because technically it's possible. Okay. Love your podcast. The only thing that's annoying is that when I start the podcast a quarter way into it, I fall asleep. Oh, no. But I've caught up with it. My top five, okay, so instead of top five, top five caricatures are Sokka, Iroh, Toph, Aang, Zuko, Sorry, Katara. And then I can't wait with about a billion exclamation points. And then I think those exclamation points are referring to Korra. Yes. Because we have Korra at the end of that with all of our elemental emojis. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are very excited about Korra. We were just talking about Korra before we started recording. We realized that after today's episode, which is going to wrap up the Smoke and Shadow arc, we have two more trios of comics to go through mm-hmm. and then we're going to hit Cora. So tentatively planning, um, we are probably going to be starting Cora episodes maybe in the new year. Yes. January. That's what it seems like. January, February, we'll so see. Mark your calendars, everyone. We're good to go. We're missing the 11th anniversary because we'll be starting them early, but it'll be <laughs> worth it. Yeah. The next review comes from Airbending Blow Dryer and they write, Flamio Hotman, I love your podcast. It's good to know that every time I finish the show, I can always listen to the podcast. My sibling introduced me to this podcast not too long ago, so I haven't been able to finish it, but I still love it so much. I love all the detail and hard work you put into making this podcast, and I especially love the humor. Every episode I have listened to is great. Keep up the good work. And then we have all the elemental emojis per usual. Mm -hmm. And my top Necessary. favorite characters, absolutely. My top favorite characters are Katara, Suki, Iroh, Sokka, Appa, Mei, Tylee, Zuko, the Boulder, and Aang. Ooh, love that Boulder pick. I love everyone's top picks, and they're all always great because all these characters are great. But I especially love when someone throws out a tertiary character like that. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like June. Yes, yes. Like June. June, the Boulder. It's so funny to me. Yep. That is all of our reviews that we're reading for this week. If you left a review, we didn't read it. Well, guess what? There's always next week and the week after that and the week after that because you've been writing the reviews so we can read them. (laughs) And as we all know, that is how the written language works. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's still just like, I'm still so excited that we are in single digits away from Korra. I know. I get goosebumps thinking about it sometimes. I know. Oh my gosh. The comics have been so fun. And it's been kind of nice to have, you know, slow things down a little bit, Mm -hmm. really take our time with the comics, focus on them, switching to that bi-weekly schedule. But man, when we hit Korra, I am so ready to jump into that world because as we've talked about before, I feel like I've been primed. Yes. You know, reading these comics, I feel like everything is adding up to Republic City and that time period. And then also with the news that we're going to get a movie with basically adult gang. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel so good about this. This is like the perfect timing. I know. It's, it's just everything seems to be working out so good. I'm very excited for when we finish Korra. I know this is like looking way ahead. So I can read our emails and all the reviews without worrying about that landmine <laughs> spoiler that's yes. just waiting there for you. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have to figure out how to cover the books too. Because I know we've gotten a lot yes. of people emailing and commenting, asking us if we're going to cover Yang Chen's books mm-hmm. and Kyoshi's. And the answer is yes. We just have to figure out when. Yes. And we also have to figure out the format of the books. Yep. So stay tuned for that. All right. Without further ado, as the French say, by the way, Tenny Pup, wake up. Okay. Making sure Tenny Pup's awake. <laughs> Smoke and Shadow, 
part three, or as we like to call it, Kamurakage Interrupted. That's right. And this story was once again written by Jean Luen Yang and art and coloring by our good friend, personal friend, I'm going to say now, we're best friends right now. <laughs> personal friend personal, of the podcast. Personal friend of the podcast, Guri We pick up right where the last issue left off with Zuko calling out Azula as the leader of the Kamurakage and demands that she release Kii. The Kamurakage attacks Zuko with lightning, who is confident in his ability to redirect it. However, when the Kamurakage redirects the redirected lightning, the blast sends Zuko against the wall. And anyone who has beaten Ocarina of Time can kind of relate to Zuko's surprise when this is spoilers for Ocarina of Time, which is a 30, 20 decades old game when you fight Ganondorf and then he redirects your redirected thing. And you're like, they can do that. That's what Zuko is <laughs> happening right now. That's what's happening. Yep. Uh, Aang cushions the impact of Zuko from the ground with airbending and the Kamurakage dodges incoming attacks from Suki and Tai Lee and manages to land a few blows herself before joining the other Kamurakage with Ki as they ninja vanish. Norin and Ursa arrive right at the wrong time. They took mm-hmm. her, didn't they? They took my baby, Ursa says as tears fill her eyes. Zuko hangs his head in shame and apologizes to his mother. The next morning, General Mock updates Zuko. By the way, General Mock, amazing sideburns as well. Oh, incredible. Incredible. He was actually kind of channeling Hunger Games in the Capitol. Oh, yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that. You've seen that? They're pretty epic sideburns. In my mind, General Mock was Admiral Zhao's maybe like (laughs) assistant or protege or something with those sideburns. Uh Maybe like a nephew. Maybe, or... maybe. Oh, that'd be really cool if they were related. If if Zhao's lineage just had the best sideburns in the Fire Nation. Uh-huh. That'd be amazing. Sideburn genetics. The black sheep of the family would have no sideburns. <laughs> General Mock updates Zuko on the three other kidnappings that happened the same night as Key's abduction, making up a total of 13 missing children. May and Kylo show up and May offers her sympathies. While in May's embrace, Zuko vows to find all of the missing children. Even though Aang and Zuko now have a clue about the identity of the Kamurakage, they are still very worried. And I would probably argue more so worried that they know that Azula is the leader of the Kamurakage. Yeah, especially (laughs) after they just watched her redirect lightning, which she wasn't able to do before. Mm -hmm. That's a little concerning. Yes, the one thing that Zuko had that she did not have. Yeah, which was intentional, by the way. That was a decision that Yang made saying that the use of lightning to redirection shows how powerful and her mastery of firebending is the Mm -hmm. same way that skill was used to highlight Zuko's level up Ah, during the series. So it's like, oh boy, she reached the next level. Everyone watch out. Uh Uh-oh, Super Saiyan level two. Here it is. Yep. May asks if they are sure that the Kamurakage are not spirits, and Suki and Tai Li assure a very concerned May that from the use of lightning, generation, redirection, and fighting style, it's 100% Azula. She might as well have just signed her name with a bow on it. When May remarks that lightning bending isn't all that rare, Zuko confirms that the opponent was definitely his sister. Mm. May then questions what motive Azula would have for kidnapping the Fire Nation children. And Zuko kind of dismisses the question, saying, after all, being Azula is reason enough. <laughs> like, I don't know. She's Azula. She doesn't need a reason. Yep. Surprised she hasn't kidnapped more children earlier. Classic Azula. Kidnapping Classic children. Classic Azula. 
this has been for me and Ukano specifically, like how I view him as a character. Uh-huh. This has been such an emotional roller coaster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, he's not that bad of a guy. He's kidnapping children and keeping them locked he's in awful. a cave. He's, he's awful. Worst. Oh, it was Azula's plane. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Okada. Yep. He's still, he's still not a great guy. But I, I right now, when I was reading this, I'm like, okay, he's not as bad as Ozai right now. He was at, from book two of this, he was at Ozai levels for me, personally. Uh-huh. And now yeah. he's kind of like redeeming himself a little bit. May then lowers her head and confesses that her father is the leader of the new Ozai society. Aang noting his tendency to be part of societies and Suki noting that the new Ozai society and safe nation society are probably one in the same. I love this line. <laughs> Aang's like, this guy just really likes societies. Yep. It was written a little like the delivery of Suki's line could be taken either way. It could be like a I wonder if they're the same society. But the way I read it was Suki was like, I think it's Aang. I think it's the same thing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> Aang, Aang, Aang. Grow up. Yeah. They're the same thing. <laughs> Another quick little historical note mm-hmm. is Yang also took inspiration from China in the early 1900s and how into covert groups they seem to be, you know, secret societies and all of those things. So I don't know if that was the original inspiration for the Dai Li. But yeah, at least with this, this comic, it's been noted that that was the inspiration. Mm. Well, after Suki kind of assures everyone that they're probably the same thing, Zuko asks why May withheld this information earlier when she was, she was nearly directly asked, is your father the head of this? And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Could be anyone. Yep. And she answers that despite her father being evil, her words, not mine, although I still kind of agree. She still does not like betraying her father, which is something that mm-hmm. Zuko should understand. Yeah. She adds that when she saw her father in the streets, she could tell that he was hiding something and might know of Azula's involvement. So again, at this point, us as readers, we're only aware that the Kamurakage have blackmailed Ukano into kind of mm-hmm. doing their bidding. And then they're all of a sudden doing Ukano's seemingly bidding for a while. So now that we're getting breadcrumbs of Ukano being aware that one of the Kamurakage is Azula is kind of opening up a whole new can of worms here. Mm-hmm. Zuko orders a lockdown of the capital, instructing his forces to search for Ukano and his society so they can be brought in for questioning, which is something that Ozai would have done. You're exactly like your father. You know that. <laughs> The way you order these people to come in to be questioned is just like Ozai. It's like I'm looking at Ozai 2.0 right now. (laughs) Aang asks Zuko to allow him to handle this whole situation, but Zuko politely thanks Aang for his help in a very diplomatic tone. Calling him the Avatar, that's like... mm. It was very jarring, and I really liked that. It was the way the panels were drawn and the way it was written. There was like this flip switched for Zuko, and all of a sudden he went very professional like, I appreciate your concern, Mr. Avatar, but our princess is in another castle. I don't know. He's just like, (laughs) but I am going to politely decline with forth yours truly, Fire Lord Zuko of the Ozai clan. (laughs) It's kind of what it turned into. When Aang asks why Zuko is using this adult demeanor, Zuko says that Aang's methods have not worked so far, so he will have to try a different approach. And that if the Avatar does not approve of this decision, then he should leave. 
I do want to note that as soon as Aang was like, why are you talking to me like that? Zuko drops it immediately and reverts to like yelling at the Avatar. He's <laughs> just like, if you don't like it, leave. Mm-hmm. Aang argues that such drastic actions will result in more mistrust amongst the Fire Nation citizens. And May notes that drastic situations call for drastic actions. Zuko has Suki and Tylee escort an angry, angry, Ooh, nice. Ang, you, yeah, thank you. Out of his sight and out of the room. And Ang voices his opinion on what just happened. And Suki and Tylee surprisingly seem to be sympathizing with him. Ang is frustrated since there's not much left to do and wonders at this moment, what would Sokka do if he were here? That's a great question. And who better to ask than Sokka's girlfriend? who uh-huh. runs off and tells the two that he would investigate on his own. And so they do. Yeah. Although I am disappointed. This is this is my largest criticism with Smoke and Shadow Part 3. Sokka would have also put on a detective hat with a detective pipe. Oh my gosh, you're so right. And you know he still has yes. that detective hat and detective pipe yes. from, I'm blanking on the title, but the one where they investigate Kiyoshi. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So... Yep. It's the most minor of complaint. I know, but it's literally the only thing I have about this. It just would have been the the cherry. It would, it would have been more, it would have been the sprinkles, not even the cherry, the sprinkles on top of the sundae. Yes. In Ukano's secret underground children cave, the Kamorakage and Ukano drop off another kid. Tom Tom runs up to his father and asks if they are going home. Ukano tells his son that they won't be leaving yet as key sedatives wear off a bit early. One of the Kumurakage threatened the little girl and tells her to stay put if she knows what's good for her. Kiyi tells the fake spirit that her big brother is Fire Lord Zuko, and he's going to beat them all to a pulp when he finds them. The spirit raises her hand. I'm, I'm sorry, the quote-unquote spirit raises her hand, but is stopped by another Kumurakage and tells her to back down since this one has got some fight in her. Oh boy, does she. <laughs> After all, it's in her blood. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yes, a little bit. A drop or two of pure anger and rage and determination and willpower. (laughs) Yeah. One or two. In a separate room, the fake Kumarakage unmask themselves and stand around a table with Ukano. Zirin, who is one of the Kumarakages, asks Azula how long they'll have to babysit. And Azula reminds the girl that babysitting is the least that she could do after Azula broke her out of the institution. Azula talks to Ukano in private, and he echoes Zirin's sentiment. Azula questions Ukano's commitment to the Fire Nation, and the old man reminds the princess that he has put his family through unspeakable horrors in the name of the Fire Nation and Ozai. Azula orders Ukano to have the Safe Nation Society start a riot to really push the citizens of the Fire Nation over the edge. Ukano tries to understand how this will get Ozai back on the throne as he walks out of the room, and as soon as he's out of earshot, Azula says to herself that Ozai was never part of her plan. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the reveals in this scene, if I do remember correctly, last episode, I was saying, wouldn't it be interesting if the Kamurakages turn out to be the rough rhinos and we have all these new characters that have been amassed from the cross? Yeah, that's exactly Mm -hmm. what we got. Mm -hmm. Except in this case, we have like mental institution characters. So all the people that she broke out of like the insane asylum, which is fun. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you think that they're all from the institution or just Zirin? I think they all are. I think you're right. But I think they all are. Yep. I just want to make sure. Sometimes I'll say something. You'll be like, yeah. what are you talking about? So we're all on the same page, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. And that makes them even more dangerous too. Agreed, yeah. They're all just kind of like working out of left field. They're all, you know, what's the term I'm looking for? I think they're all unpredictable. That's the term I'm looking yeah. for, but there's like a certain idiom for it. But yeah, basically they're they're all unpredictable and they're dangerous. And this is going to be really fun. I hope, I don't know if this is going to happen, but I hope whenever the Azula comic comes out, I hope they show this. And by this, I mean her life in the institution and how she got the trust of all of these girls. Because in my mind, I feel like she probably elevated herself to like almost like a cult leader type of position. And she's just been manipulating (laughs) all of these girls into kind of doing her bidding. And I think Zirin is the one that's kind of like the second in command, but falling out of that whole perception that Azula is perfection and stuff like that, that the Uh other girls might have. I'm very curious about this dynamic between Azula and Zirin. So curious. I've never been more curious about Mm -hmm. anything in Avatar, or at least the comics. I am too. It's also worth mentioning, like, Azula's just doing what Azula does best. She took over the Dai Li, became basically the leader of them. Now she broke a bunch of girls out of an insane asylum Mm -hmm. and is basically their leader now. Like, this is just what she does. And she's so good at it. Oh, man. You just put Azula in any environment and she thrives. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. It's such an admiral trait. I just wish she wouldn't use it for evil every single time <laughs> i know oh man all right well anyways ang suki and Ty Lee search for clues in key's room but they come up empty-handed Ty Lee remembers that the spot where the kumarokage disappeared was actually near a very common hiding spot for her Mei, and azula when they were children they walk up to the wall where the fake spirits disappeared and she pushes in on a brick revealing a secret passage Secret passage in the wall through the castle. (laughs) (laughs) It's where May Azula and Tylee played as children. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yep. So they reveal this big secret passage, and all of a sudden, if you had a shred of doubt that these were actual spirits, it should be gone at this point. There's no more shredded cheese mozzarella doubts. (laughs) There are no spirits. There is only Kumurakage interrupted. The citizens grow outraged with the lockdown and the army is actually going through everyone's homes looking for Okano in the safe nation society. And it's really funny. They go into this one house and I didn't go back to double check, but I think it's the same little man from book two. I think it is. Like yes. yelling. I think it is you. Right. And yep. he's just like, why are you in my house tearing this place up when the safe nation society is marching outside of my window right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like bad timing for the fire nation soldiers. Ukano is easily able to turn the Safe Nation Society's protest into a riot with, I'm calling it a rather short speech. It was like four sentences at most. Mm-hmm. And then he disappears into a nearby alley. And it's right at the right time, too, because the riots were really heating up. Okay, hang on real yes. quick. Now that I'm looking at it again, the face looks the same. Okay. But it's almost like, I think this might be an old woman instead. Oh. So, headcanon. Yes. This is that old man's wife. Oh, I was going to say twin sister. And this is their house. Okay. Or twin sister. Either way. Either one. Doesn't matter. Related in some way. Uh Uh-huh. When the riot reaches Aunt Mira's flower shop, Kylo is able to protect Mira from a rock thrown through her window. When he goes outside to investigate, he bumps into Hing, a young man who is still with the Safe Nation Society. 
Hing warns him that they are arresting anyone associated with Fukano. And even though Kylo is not associated with the society any longer, he is still arrested for being associated with Hing on the streets that day. Even though they just bumped into each other. Yes, they were also, I will note, they did seem like they were old friends and they just had a change yeah. in ideology. So they weren't just like, standing next to each other, I'm sure their body language was very like, oh, buddy, how you doing, man? And they were just, and the soldiers were like, okay, you two, come with us, which they shouldn't yeah. have done. They shouldn't have done, but it wasn't That's as a good random. Point, yeah. Outside of Capital City, Iroh flies overhead in a war balloon ready to bring National Tea Appreciation Day <laughs> to the Fire Nation. When his pilot asks if Zuko called for a planning meeting for the occasion, Iroh admits that his nephew doesn't even know about the new holiday. But he will. Back with Zuko, General Mock informs the Fire Lord that the riot is over. May asks about her father, and Mock confirms that he was also there, but disappeared during all of the chaos. Zuko takes her hand, assuring her that they will find Ukano. Soldiers arrive with apprehended Safe Nation society members and their best friend, Kylo. May lets go of Zuko's hand and asks him to release her boyfriend. Zuko kind of takes a moment and wonders if Kylo is acting as a secret double agent, which only really angers Kylo because the guy saved Zuko in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> so he's clearly not anymore. Zuko orders Kylo to be freed and Kylo tells Zuko to accept the fact that Zuko should accept the fact that Kylo and May are together and not Zuko and May. Yeah. I feel like I think that needed to be said just because any self-respecting person in a relationship who sees their significant other starting to get chummy with an ex, you kind of have to be like, hey, just just to remind you, yeah. you're not together, we're together. Yeah. But the fact that it took him this whole time to say that, even though we've seen him catching these glances mm -hmm. and noticing these little bits of body language, like Kylo's such a, a chill dude. He's just been kind of letting it go because he knows they're friends. It's a pretty high breaking point for Kylo as well. He broke yeah. when he was accused of treason. <laughs> and sees them holding hands, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've been cool thus far, but you are trying to behead me at this point. Listen, yeah. pal, get over it. <laughs> Aang arrives with Suki and Tylee, much to Zuko's surprise, telling him they found something he has to see. Mock tells Zuko that he needs to act before sundown or else the citizens will rise again. Zuko takes Mock's words very seriously and starts to walk away from Aang, but Zuko finds himself taken against his will on an air scooter, and the rest of the group follows. <laughs> that was such a weirdly comedic moment I love in it. such a serious, a serious moment. Also, just physics, I don't understand how that would work. A non-airbending person staying on top of an air scooter that's spinning, but it's okay. It's a comic. Aang Whatever. figured it out. He figured it out. He is the <laughs> avatar. He's using all of the elements. I bet he's you breaking physics. He's he's just blood bending on top of an air scooter. Just <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they all arrive at the secret passage on the roof where Zuko asks Suki and Tai Li to keep watch over the palace while he investigates, hoping to find Key and Tom Tom at the other end. Back with Okano, the old man updates Azula on the riots and expresses his regret on the matter. He begs her to honor her end of the deal and release the children, and Azula Bane's agreement only to eventually strong arm the old man, telling him that if the children were released, they would alert the authorities about who's doing this all and where we all are. So how about we just wait until after it's all done? That was the line that you've 
heard in so many movies and shows where it's like, they can identify us now. We got to kill them. I was waiting for her to say something like that. We have to keep them locked up forever. We have to get rid of them. We have to ship them out of the Fire Nation. Like, Well, (laughs) ultimately, yes, I would think that's her plan, but she can't let Ukano know that because his son is (laughs) amongst the group. That's how she's controlling him. Yes, Uh yes. Back in the locked room, the kidnapped children wonder why only Tom Tom's father gets to visit. And Guri tells one of the children that this is because Tom Tom's father is a bad guy. Tom Tom and Guri begin to fight, but Key tells them to knock it off since she is trying to focus on her movements. Another girl asks what she's doing, and Key doesn't exactly know, but she did watch Zuko perform these movements and believes that this is what makes her brother so brave. That's cute. And for anyone listening and hadn't read the book yet, she is practicing firebending movements. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. When I saw her doing this, I was like, no. It couldn't be. No. Meanwhile, Aang, Zuko, May, and Kylo find themselves at the end of the secret passage and entering the royal family's graveyard, where we learn all non-Fire Lord members of the royal family are buried here. Aang soon notices that they are surrounded by the fake Komorikage. By the way, really quickly, I know everyone knows how much you love world building, but I like this little scene of like, oh, by the way, We all know where the Fire Lords go after they die, but this is where everyone else goes. That's family member Mm -hmm. loosely associated with the Fire Lord. So that was kind of cool. It was a little piece of world building that I didn't know I needed. Yes, agreed. Because it's one of those things where, I mean, it's also working twofold, right? Because we've never seen this before, but we also haven't seen the entire Fire Nation islands. There's still opportunities for writers and creators in this world to show us these new things like this graveyard. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I don't expect it. But then when I see it, I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. that is answering a question that I didn't know I had. And I'm very thankful for this. I love when that happens. When they're just like, hey, you didn't think about this, but we did. And this shows how much attention we're paying. And I'm just like, you know, you're in good hands when that happens. Absolutely. And the design of the, for everyone who hasn't read the comics, the design of these gravestones are so interesting. Mm. It looks like a stone igloo. Right? Mm-hmm. So these little domes sitting on the ground. And on top of the dome, you have your more traditional gravestone. So that thin pillar that's coming up where you'd have the names inscribed and that sort of thing. Well, apparently those dome-shaped tombs were inspired by tombstones from ancient Asian graveyards. Some examples being China's Fujian province and Japan's Ryukyu Islands. Ooh. So apparently graves in those areas were made to resemble tortoise shells possibly to place deceased individuals under the care of the black tortoise, which is one of the four symbols in Chinese mythology. So super interesting. Another little nod to real world design, at least, if not just that, also mythology and other like cultural nods from the, that area of the world. Mm-hmm. Super cool. And I even wondered, I, I saw these gravestones and like, oh, that's a cool design. They must have like thrown that in for the Avatar universe for some reason. Like, no, there's actually a reason for it. And that's really cool. Yeah, it's really neat. I agree. I love the overall aesthetic of this graveyard. It's just very interesting and unique. And I I found myself staring at that page for probably longer than I should have, if I'm being Mm -hmm. honest. Now, this is the first graveyard we've ever seen in the Avatar universe, right? I don't even know. I think so. I didn't even think think about that, to be honest with you. I mean, we've seen the crypts, obviously, from the little secret passage. There were all the Fire Lords go, which doesn't really count as a graveyard. Yeah, the Dragonbone Catacombs. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
but I think this is the first graveyard we've ever seen. And now that I'm thinking about it, I did have kind of a moment of surprise mm. that we would even see a graveyard, a place where the deceased have been buried in the Avatar yeah. universe, because all the stories are focused on present day activities and events, and then past moments from history. Yeah, We don't really look at or dwell on things like, like graveyards where people from the past have been placed. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, I know, but it's I know just what you like, mean, yeah. So much of the Avatar world is focused on like what is happening or what did happen, not yeah. where have people wound up. Where, yeah, where, <laughs> where are the casualties of these events necessarily? Like Because everything, the story just keeps on going and going and going and going and going and going. There's no real like stop to the action. Exactly. There's no stop to it. And this is a place where stories have stopped. And it's yeah. just kind of like a little, I don't know if unnerving is the right word, but it kind of, it, it got me for a couple yeah. seconds yeah. where I'm like, whoa, this is, this is interesting. This is different. And I wonder now that we're kind of talking about that as a quick reminder, these events have been going since book one, mm -hmm. since Aang was thawed from the ice, essentially, since he broke himself out of the ice. And so it's been three years, maybe more, maybe less, just continuous action story, very little reprieve for these characters. And I wonder why, if that was some of the intrigue that a lot of people have, including myself for Korra, because all of a sudden the stories just stop with Team Avatar and they pick up years mm. later. So we're trying to pick up the pieces of where did people end up? How did they end up that way? So I'm, I'm just got wow. myself even more excited for Cora. Yep. No, I think you're right. I think that that psychologically was the issue with a lot of fans mm. where all of a sudden the story of Avatar and the gang and Team Avatar just stops. Mm -hmm. And never before has the story just stopped. Yes. It's just been layered. Going and going and going. Yeah. Yeah. Going and going, going. Present events, future plans, past actions and events. Like it was constantly going. And then all of a sudden they just, they, they were gone. No more. Now we have a new cast. Mm -hmm. So I think that you actually kind of landed on one of the biggest reasons some fans had a hard time transitioning over to the Korra universe, along with the whole like different time period. Because yeah, it's like yeah. the Industrial Revolution. The Avatar yeah. world is just so different. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Mm, well, like, I'm very excited. To die. I'm very excited to dive into a series that I'm going to warn everyone. I feel like I'm not going to enjoy for a while and then I'm going to love it. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think this is going to be, it happened to me with Clone Wars. It happened to me with Rebels. It happens to me with everything that I end up really loving. There's a period where I'm like, I don't know about this. I don't know about <laughs> this. Yep. Doctor Who too. Doctor I don't Who know about well. this Capaldi guy. This and then guy. he ends up having these incredible episodes. So, okay. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> yes. So yep. back at the royal palace, Iroh finds it strange that this palace is so empty and quiet. He does end up finding Ursa in contemplation with Key's doll. And he takes a moment and he quietly joins her, kind of understanding her pain. He doesn't know what's happening, but he knows what this look is. And he yep. knows he just pieces it all together. And he just oh. it's so good. I can't even so put it good. into words. I'm not a good enough writer or describer or anything to just say these moments. Like, because at first I was like, oh, that's really nice. And then I thought about it. And I was like, he doesn't know what's going on here. Uh-huh. He has no idea I about know. the riots. He has no idea that Key is missing. He just landed in the Fire Nation mm -hmm. from being away in the Earth Kingdom for all this time. Since the last time he was interim Fire Lord. And yeah, so like, let's break down this scene because... There is no dialogue on this page except for him calling out going, where is everyone? As he's walking through these empty hallways. Mm. He finds Ursa, notices she seems sad or defeated or something and she's holding her daughter's doll. 
And like you were saying, when you stop and think about this, you're looking at someone who lost his son, mm-hmm. who has gone through that heartrending emotional roller coaster of losing a child. And then he sees his sister-in-law yep. with probably a very similar face because she doesn't know if she's going to get her daughter back again. Yeah. And recognizing that and seeing the doll, he knows there are no words he can say to help her in this moment. All he can do is just be with her. So without a word, he kneels down and just silently joins her. Yeah. And like, just rip my heart out. Oh, absolutely. This just occurred to me. Do you think Lou Ten mm-hmm. is buried at oh, God. that graveyard? Oh, God. That's a great question because he was technically a prince, right? He was going to be. He's the son of a prince. Was that that makes yeah. you a prince as well? I think, right? I'm not, I think so. I'm not but... up the royal family hierarchies <laughs> here. You're right. But yeah, Ira was once the crown prince. Yes. He had Luten, yeah. which means I think Luten is also a prince mm-hmm. of some kind. Oh my god! What mm-hmm. if? Sorry to interrupt you. This just like just broke my heart immediately. Yeah. What is it? What if Luten was going to be buried there, but because the events that followed his death made Iroh no longer the crown prince that invalidates his plot on the graveyard. And therefore that's why Iroh was really sad and kind of mourned at Ba Sing Se. I was thinking that... It's because that's the closest thing to a resting place that he has. I could see Iroh still having a place in the Dragonbone Catacombs because he is the son of a Fire Lord. But he's not a Fire Lord. And I think the Dragonbone Catacombs are only for Fire Lords. You know what? You're right. You are so right. So yeah, Luten's probably buried somewhere in um, oh my God. in the Graveyard of Tranquility. Yeah. The Garden of Tranquil Souls, technically. Well, I was thinking, what if he's just in a random mass grave? Oh, no, I don't think you so. You don't think so? No. <laughs> That's where my mind <laughs> Unless went. his body was completely lost in like this cataclysmic event in the Earth Kingdom. That's like, fair. I don't know. Which we don't know. Gets... We don't know. But yeah. I'm going to get on board your headcanon because mine is too devastating for me to handle right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. There's probably a section in... The Garden of Tranquil Souls for the Fire Lord's immediate family. Yeah. That and then everyone right. else, like they were saying, like, you know, extended people, yeah. extended family members, people from the, the household, etc. So yeah, Lutan's probably buried there. Okay. All right. But yes. No, it is interesting that the only time we've ever seen Iroh kind of like have that sit beside a gravestone mm-hmm. type of thing was one that he made himself. Yeah. I don't know. Makes me wonder how he feels about visiting the Garden of Tranquil Souls. I wonder if he just doesn't. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, that's what I think. I also, before anyone like sends us an email or tweets us or whatever about this, I am sure that Zuko is going to bend the rules to allow his uncle to be buried in the Dragon Comb catacombs because <laughs> after all, he was acting Fire Lord for like a couple days. Oh, that would be the loophole that he would say. That's cite. the loophole. I think that, yeah. I think that's totally. my headcanon. That's what happens. Good guy Zuko comes through again, letting his uncle be buried where he rightfully should be before mm-hmm. his scummy brother ruined everything. But anyways, okay. <laughs> I digress. Ukano, we're going to go back to Ukano, bangs his head against the cell door in regret of what he has done in the name of his nation. The children hear him crying from the other side of the door as Guri and Tom Tom begin arguing yet again. He orders them to be quiet and move out of the way as she's figured something out. He then melts a hole in the steel door using firebending. Ukano immediately throws a bucket of water at the hot metal, cooling it down, and tells (laughs) them that the perpetrators of the kidnapping must be punished, which includes himself. 
He tells the children that they need to return to their parents, but must be quiet so they don't get caught by the quote-unquote scary ladies. Okay, Key. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. She's like, hold on, hold on. I think this is going to do something. Melts through a steel door. And I'm assuming yep. a very thick steel door. Uh-huh. Incredible. And this Absolutely. girl, I think, is teaching herself this, which is interesting because she's like, what, five? She's very or young. So? Yeah. She's very, very she's young, very which makes young. me wonder... When does the Fire Nation start to look for firebending abilities in children? I Ooh. feel like it would be around that age, right? Maybe. Maybe. It feels very Star Wars-y to be around that age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. So I wonder if she kind of like beat everyone else <laughs> to the punch and she's just like figuring things out herself before she's even discovered to have abilities. Well, I think Yang is kind of making an argument here about nature versus nurture and the leaning towards the side of nature. Like it's in her blood to be... A, an amazing firebender. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, from her family, yeah. genetically, I'm sure she does. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we've also learned a couple other areas in the Avatar universe that it does seem to be something that you're born with. Because we met those oh, twins in um, The Fortune Teller, I think. The two twins from the Earth Kingdom. They were voiced by, um can't remember the actor's name right now, which is terrible of me, I know. But he was in Shameless and also in Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. Cameron Monaghan, I think that's his name. He's yeah. voiced by that guy. And then also the the airbenders, all air nomads mm-hmm. were able to airbend. Yes. Because genetically, that was just like who they were. Yeah, it all makes sense. It's just interesting of like, if you don't know you're a firebender, you just do it, which we haven't yeah. seen that firsthand that I can think of Mm-mm. yet. This is like the first time she's like, I think I can do something. And all of a sudden she does it. I'm like, whoa, all right. Good for yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, because I think the youngest we've seen from a firebender is probably Azula in the flashbacks. And she was like maybe, I don't know, seven, eight, ten. Yeah, but she knew she could do it. She had this Mm -hmm. false sense of security almost that she could do it. She knew that she was going to be... Yeah, a firebender. There's never a doubt in her mind that she could be a firebender. And she was. And she's, I would say, arguably the best firebender ever. Mm -hmm. The fight in the royal family's graveyard goes on. And Azula eventually unmasks herself. May demands the location of the children, but Azula instead goes on about when she first heard of the Kamurakage from May when they were children on a sleepover and how the idea of masquerading as the Kamurakage is kind of all May's fault for having a nightmare oh as a child. God. The manipulation oh coming out of Azula. I was going to say that. What incredible manipulation. Yeah. Hearing this, May attacks Azula directly and Kylo manages to tackle Azula when she is distracted and in turn is shot with lightning. Azula criticizes May, saying she is really slumming it with Kylo when it comes to boyfriends. And Zuko orders Azula to release Kylo, but instead his sister makes fun of the fact that Zuko is trying to win back May by defending her current boyfriend. She would. The two end up attacking each other as the graveyard erupts in blue and red flares. The distraction allows Azula to flee. Zuko goes to check on May immediately, but is told to follow Azula. Kylo jokes about how he never used to get hurt this often before dating May. <laughs> yep. Like, I used cute. to live a peaceful life. I didn't get hurt every other day. It was wonderful. Says the guy who was part of the new Ozai society. <laughs> I think he uh, also is kind of like a, a bit of a street rat to yeah. quote Aladdin, yes. a little bit street smart and 100%. you know city boy and yeah. like whatever. Yeah. Real quick about the flashback. Apparently, that was a reference to a story that Yang's parents used to tell him when he was young about oh. the Kamurakage. Oh. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. 
Let's go back to Okano and the children as they almost manage to escape, but are intercepted by the Kamurakage. Back at the palace, Ursa tells Iroh how she made Ki's doll for her birthday and how her daughter used to carry it everywhere she went. Now, she's hardly touched it since Ursa regained her original face. Oh. Hearing the worry in her voice, Iroh tells Ursa to not lose hope. When she asks the Dragon of the West how he got over Lu Ten's death, Iroh admits that he never got over it. He tells her, despite their best efforts as parents, the world will always be a dangerous place for their children. And the best thing they can do is teach them to see fear with unclouded eyes. Aang manages to take out two of the Kamurakage at the graveyard. When the dust settles, he hears a cry for help coming from a nearby crypt. When he goes to investigate, he finds Ukano and the children being threatened by more Kamurakage. Aang greets the children and the quote-unquote spirits attack the Avatar. He's like, hey, kids, whoa. And he's like, <laughs> it's like immediately just... <laughs> I love Aang in this book specifically. I like Aang mm-hmm. just fine, but I love Aang in this book. Zuko chases Azula into the crypt of the first Fire Lord's most trusted advisor, which is like the most ornate of the carvings of the stone carvings that we've seen. It's like a giant turtle lion. Yeah, I was wondering about this because it almost looks like a hippo turtle. You think so? Just the face. It does look hippo-esque, but I also, it kind of looked like a more Chinese interpretation of a lion drawing to me a bit. That could be. Because I know that the whole point of the lion turtles is like they are ancient and knowledgeable beings who are known for their knowledge and wisdom. So it would make sense for... Yeah, it would make sense for an advisor to have that as their... The entrance to their like mausoleum, basically. But it looks like a hippo to me. <laughs> well, that's fair. That's fair. I I can actually get on board of that. I'm not super married to the fact that it's a lion turtle anyways. I just thought that was a nice little subtle nod to these would be, big yep. mythical creatures. But I also like that there's another turtle hybrid out there. Mm-hmm. I love me some good hybrids. I hope we get to see <laughs> this one at some point. Anyways, Zuko notes how better, for lack of a better term, Azula seems And Azula not only agrees, but comments that she's also gotten stronger as well. Yikes. Azula dashes towards Zuko, propelled by her own flames. Back with Aang, the Kamurakage use the generated smoke to their advantage against Aang, who takes a breath at the wrong time, exactly what Roku did minutes before his death. Oh, no. Oh, no. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's like, oh, I took a breath at the wrong time. And I was like, oh, I've seen this before. No. He doesn't die, everyone. Don't worry. There's still plenty of Aang left. We know he doesn't die yet because Korra (laughs) isn't even close to being of age that she is for Legend of Korra. Uh Anyways, they kick Aang down the stairs and are about to finish him off when Mei and Kylo take out the imposter spirits. Tom Tom rushes to his sister and the siblings share an embrace while their father smiles. Azula manages to get the upper hand against Zuko and notices how it has always just been this way. Azula just being the superior sibling in everything. Zuko tells her that removing him from the throne will not make her Fire Lord and she needs to accept that. A lot of people need to accept a lot of things in this book. Yeah. But Azula has already come to terms with this knowledge. She steps away from her brother and explains that the voice in her head was finally silenced when she discovered her true destiny. Her goal is to make Zuko the Fire Lord she always tried to become. Someone strong who rules through fear. Because if he's like her, then she's kind of the Fire Lord. Kind of. 
in a roundabout way. Twisted logic. Yeah, it's a, it's a stretch. <laughs> I understand I'm saying this and I understand how weird it might seem, but that's a stretch. So I've, I've done some stretches in logic to kind of get to a certain point. Mm-hmm. That was a surprise to me. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'm all better. By the way, this is how my mind works now. It's like, are you better though now? Yeah. They hear Kiyi calling out to Zuko and Zuko tells her they won, but Azula disagrees and points out how ruthless Zuko has been during the riot and rising of Ukano society. Deep down inside, you're still one of us. You can deny it for a little while, but eventually you will become just like me. And then, in a sense, I'll be Fire Lord again. I can hear. I can't do it. But I can hear Gray Griffin in this. Yep. <laughs> I, can I know. Hear it. So good. I might actually, I'm very heavily debating if I want to do what is that called when you, you pay people, you pay actors? Yes. I want to do one of those. Just be like, can you just read this line for me, please? Oh, that would be so good. Be so good. Uh, anyways, she says all this as she disappears into smoke and Zuko exits the crypt and reunites with Key. When Zuko expresses how worried he was, Kii tells her brother that she wasn't worried at all because she knew he would rescue them. I love this little relationship, so brother cute. and sister. I love it. It's like the sister he always wanted. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the sister that Azula never was. Yeah. Oh, man. I, this relationship, though, does make me feel bad for Azula. Yeah. She was basically replaced with a better, yeah. more wholesome version. <laughs> but like... Through no real fault of her own, I would argue, because mm -hmm. she just chose the wrong parent to try to impress. Right. It's just, And, you know, obviously there's some mental illness kind of going on there with Azula. More apparent mm -hmm. in the latter seasons and the earlier seasons. But, yeah, it's just kind of tragic. Yeah. And Ukano says his goodbye to his children before being arrested. And this is, by the way, he's being arrested and taken inside the same prison that Ozai is in. Oh boy. <laughs> Are they going to be blockmates? I don't know. May tells her father that he deserves what he is getting, but that he came around in the end. And that is how she will choose to remember him. That's more than I have a right to ask my daughter, he says, as he's escorted into the prison. Zuko addresses his nation on the events of the last days, admitting to having had a poor reaction. He failed to maintain a balance between security and freedom and acted out of fear, not reason or wisdom. He then asks his nation for their forgiveness and promises to be a fire lord worthy of his people. Azula and her fake Kamurakage is all I can really call them. Watch from a distance. How touching, Azula says as she puts <laughs> her mask back on and the group vanishes in the smoke. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. It's not touching it, Zula. It's respectable. It's honorable. Oh, I just thought of this too late. They're the Azula Kage. Oh, my God. That's what they are. <laughs> Bye, they Azula are. Kage. Until your standalone comic, I'm sure. Probably. Probably. Outside of Mira's shop, May breaks up with Kylo. We all saw that coming. Yeah. I mean, there's no surprise. It's heartbreaking, but there's no surprise here. Mira asks him why he's leaving so soon as he's just arrived. And Kylo claims that he has stuff to do. I can just hear the sniffles in the dialogue. Yeah. When asked if she would see him again, he claims that he doesn't know and walks away. That was more for our benefit right there. This scene is for right. us, the fans, really being like, I love Kylo. He's great. And then they break up. Will they ever see? Will you see you again? And Yang's like, I don't know. <laughs> Probably <laughs> <Maybe>. not. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yep. 
Kylo's such a good dude. Yeah. I hope he finds another moody, angsty May, just like mm-hmm. from the village or something, you know, like someone who will just adore him and they can be happy and angsty together and make each other laugh. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he deserves. In actuality, he rebounds with Tylee just to... Oh my God. He wouldn't do that. (laughs) That's too petty for him. Uh, Okay. Outside of Ozai's cell, Iroh asks Ursa if she is sure that she is ready for what's about to happen. When she tells him that she is, Iroh simply states, remember, unclouded eyes. Oh boy. Ursa enters the cell and Ozai admits that he heard of her return and how coming back was a mistake. Ozai yells at her, reminding her of his promise to end her and everyone she loves, threatening to make her beg for oblivion. Ursa takes a moment and closes her eyes. When she opens them, she finds herself able to look past the empty threats and finally see her former husband for the man he is. Teeny tiny little person trying to act big with a heart too small for anyone. He's the Grinch. Basically. <laughs> the Grinch. <laughs> He's a Grinch without Max the dog. Mm-hmm. She leaves Ozai, who warns her not to turn her back on him. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. This is such a powerful scene because we have seen in the flashbacks in the comics just how terrified and small she was forced to be in the palace and how much Ozai abused her, mm-hmm. like psychologically and emotionally. For her to approach him, even in prison, you can see the complete petrification in her eyes. She is terrified to face him until she's able to really embody Iroh's advice and look past the fear at the person in front of her. And then she sees him for who he has always been, who he really is, and is able to get that closure that she needed. Now, because it's Ozai, I do still worry (laughs) because he's Ozai. So even though he's in prison and he's like, don't turn your back on me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, if he ever gets a chance, he's going to... He's going to try something. Make people pay. He's going to try something. Yeah. I also wonder if her life events have made him and his evil smaller in the grand scheme of things. I mean, she's had her face replaced twice by a spirit, by a giant... Mm -hmm. Not just a spirit, the mother of faces, Mm -hmm. who is the mother of probably one of the most feared spirits, Ko. Mm -hmm. So like, I feel like after all of that, she's able with Iroh's help to push aside her perspective of who her husband once was and see him. He's this like probably frail at this point. He's been eating prison food for a year, over a year at this point. Mm -hmm. He's angry. He's probably smells really bad. He's not well kept. Able to kind of push through this, which is wonderful to see. But I agree with you. He's too dangerous. Yeah, he's too dangerous, first of all. But you are right. Ursa's gone through so much and has grown so much as a person. And this, I kind of feel like, is probably near the end of her arc, being able to accept her current situation and her relationship with Kiyi and come to terms with her past with Ozai. So I hope from here she's going to be a lot stronger and a lot more at peace. Yes. With things and so. be patient so. and letting things with key just develop naturally versus clinging to her like she has been because mm-hmm. she was afraid. So hopefully this is going to be a good turning point for her. Mm-hmm. We'll just, I'll read these next two sentences and then we'll end it because there's literally one more scene left and that scene is going to warm everyone's hearts. So yeah, Ursa returns to Norin and Kiyi who are both sleeping soundly. Kiyi wakes up for a moment and smiles at Ursa for the first time since her face has been restored. Ursa holds her daughter tight and they both fall back asleep. And Kiyi calls her mommy. And Kiyi calls her mommy. 
the end. Clap, 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 clap. Clap, 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 clap. Except, <laughs> except we still don't know why they made such a big deal out of Ursa's hands being cold for like three hmm, books. That's a good point. I don't know <laughs> if that's a context clue for something in the future or if it was just like a like a physiological detail to make that state of mind like more realistic. That's what I think. I think it's a physiological detail that Yang focused on too much. I think once would have been like, okay, we mm-hmm. get it. But he kept on bringing it up. Myself and I know a couple of other people listen to the podcast. Some of our wonderful fans were also like, yeah, why? Why do you keep on bringing that <laughs> WTF. up? WTF. Yeah, what's going on? I am going to reserve ultimate disappointment. It's my finishing move, ultimate disappointment, until after we're done with <laughs> North and South and Imbalance. Although I'm sure we're not going to hear about this ever again, but I'm going to give Yang the benefit of the doubt and hope that we get some sort of something. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's yep. all. Anyways, Spoken Shadow is over. Gone through it. Wonderful. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It's probably up there with one of my favorite stories that we've read so far. I still think the search is taking the cake for me. Yep. Who is your MVP? Oh, I feel like Key earned it. Yeah? Yeah, by being basically just a bamf. Yeah. <laughs> and like discovering her own firebending. That's fair. But also I want to say Kylo because he's, oh. again, such a good dude and he exited the scene. But with his integrity, like it was really big actually for Mira to ask him like, oh, why are you leaving so soon? Are we going to see you again? And instead of being like, no, probably not because May freaking broke up with me, you know, like screw her. He was just like, I just got some things to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You might Mm -hmm. just really good, dude. Yes. I am going to say I have two as well. I can't just Mm -hmm. decide one. I'm going to say that Kylo is my ultimate MVP because... As of right now, this is the last time we're going to see of him. His (laughs) character arc was so good. Like he went from, I don't remember what we said about him when we first met him back in, what was it called? Flowers. I don't remember what the. Yeah. The Avatar Adventures. Yes. Yeah. Book. We hated him. I remember that. We thought he was a tool. He was like, we were just so not into him. Yeah. (laughs) And he did this complete turnaround, and I'm so happy he did. It was like a mini Zuko arc for me personally, Mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed. I will admit to this if this was not Kylo's last issue, last time we're ever going to see him, last appearance, I probably wouldn't give him an MVP because my real deal MVP is Aang, of all people, Mm. because he, (laughs) we could have had. This whole annoying trope where Zuko ignores Aang again and doesn't go to the secret passage and really drags out. But Aang is like, no, you're coming with me right now to look at this. <laughs> on this air scooter. He kidnaps the Fire Lord on an air scooter <laughs> in front of the Fire Lord's guards and they don't do anything. <laughs> That is hilarious. It was so, it was funny. It was right up Aang's alley. It served a purpose. It wasn't just funny for the sake of being funny. It served an ultimate purpose because Aang knew Mm -hmm. he was in the right. And Aang doesn't really ever act that decisively. Mm -hmm. Like it usually takes him, what, three seasons to decisively act on anything? (laughs) Yeah. So the fact that he was able to be like, all right, cool, you're coming with me. He was actually kind of taking Roku's advice a little bit there. Mm Mm-hmm which is great. Finally did it. He finally found a way to act decisively like Roku without having to murder anyone. Yep. (laughs) Good job, Aang. What is your moral of the issue? I got to echo Iroh with this and learn how to see past fear. I agree. 
Yeah. For me, no other moral can be said about this. Mm-hmm. Yep. He goes to also quote Dune, fear is the mind killer. Mm-hmm. That's true. And if you let yourself be consumed by fear, then you can't basically function. <laughs> Because it's going to take over everything. You can't make sound decisions. You can't move past it and do what you need to do. So being able to master fear or being able to see past it with calm is such a huge self-mastery lesson to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can't even come up with a secondary one. That's just what the moral is. (laughs) Iroh goddess. Iroh goddess. Got her back. Typical Iroh fashion shows Mm -hmm. up for a total of five panels and leaves with the moral of the issue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Iroh comes, flies in for National Tea Day, yep. drops some wisdom, and then pieces we'll out. <laughs> I'm out of here. I've done my job. <laughs> all right. Well, that is the end of Smoke and Shadow. Everyone, thank you all so, so much for hanging out with us while we get to experience the Kimura Kage and get so much more lore from the world of Avatar than I thought we were ever going to get in comics. Mm-hmm. And remember, as always, we said it in the beginning of the episode, we say it at the end. If you're enjoying the show and you want us to read a five-star review written by you and have a little banter about it, then you got to write it and you got to leave it because we can't, we can't see it if you don't do that. I can tell you something right now. Hey, hey, between me and you, really quickly, don't worry about Acorn right now. Between me and you, if you scream, we appreciate you screaming at the top of your rooftop how much you love the podcast. But we can't hear that. We're too far away. But if you read a review, <laughs> then we can definitely read that and appreciate that. So we appreciate everyone who's done so. We appreciate all the enthusiasm and all of the theories that have been coming through on the emails. I want to give... We, haven't, we don't do this very often. I want to shout out our YouTube listeners really quickly. Yeah. Coming through with the comments and loving the show. Listen to it over on youtube.com slash avatar the podcast. Thank our patrons for being... Um, just amazing and supporting the show in, in so many ways. Yeah, going above and beyond. Yes, absolutely. We are in tough economical times. So we appreciate everyone who's able to support the show in any way that they can. Uh, it really does help to get episodes edited and provided to you in a timely manner. So thank you, thank you, thank you all so much. And if you want to contribute a little bit to the show, you can do so from a monetary standpoint. You can do so at patreon.com slash avatar the podcast. And you can always tweet at us at Podcast Avatar. And if you've done all of those things and you're still like, Greg, I need you to answer something right now. And right now is Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can go over to twitch.tv slash Booster Greg, where we play games, we hang out. We found a little niche for ourselves where I'm just making all of the worst possible decisions in the video games that give me a decision to be made. And it's been, <laughs> it's been very wonderful. It's been a little difficult at times, but it's been very freeing, I'll say. Come on over, hang out. We'll have a talk about some current events. We'll make some bad decision in video games. It'll be great. Talk about Avatar news. Talk about Avatar news. Absolutely. Or you could find me on Twitter, like a lot of people have, at Booster Greg. Awesome. And you can also find me on Twitter at Acorn Bandit and online otherwise at Joy Sans Studios, which is where you can find the enamel pins that I've created. Also, two of which came from the brain of Booster Greg. One of Thank which. You, Greg. I only did one of them. Okay, fine. But you helped decide on the Oppa pin. That's fair. That's fair. But most of the work goes to you on the Oppa pin. It's very wonderful. And I'm very jealous of it all the time. It's very cute. We've seen so some good. amazing pictures. We've gotten some pictures from our fans who have been wearing Oppa on their jackets yes. and on their bags and mail bags in some cases. 
We all appreciate you so much for being able to support us in that way, but then also share the pictures of what you've done with your pin. It brings a smile to my face at least so every single time. Yes. I love it. I love seeing him as well. And with all that being said, we're at that point where we tell you what's coming up next time. North and South Part 1. Yes. Not in balance. Like, I keep on getting mixed up. North and South (laughs) Part 1. Yep. We're going to the Southern Water Tribe, everyone. I cannot wait. More Sokka in my life. Yes, please. Yep. Yes, please. Absolutely. Yep. Everyone, again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We super appreciate you. And we'll see you next time on Avatar Avatar, the the podcast. Podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 